Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, I want to start uh, this morning with just a question. Um, how many of us on our phones have either the app DoorDash or Uber Eats? How many of you guys? Yeah? Okay. So I love, I love DoorDash. Um, every time I get lazy, which is a lot, um, or I'm like, hey, I, can't, I don't have time to go grocery shopping, or I don't want to clean, right? And I pull up that phone and go to DoorDash, and one of my favorite restaurants uh, nearby that I like to order from is it's a place called South Winchester Barbecue. Any fans of South Winchester Barbecue? Uh, if you do not know, uh, please, Lord, okay? <laughs> you got to go check it out. And uh, so here's my app. So if you kind of, uh, um, here's a breakfast taco. Um, now you're not focusing on the message at all, right? Um, brisket and tri-tip. And uh, if you set it to uh, order at Westgate Church, Saratoga campus, and um, it can come in the next 18 minutes. So uh, if somebody orders it, no, don't do that, <laughs> then I could be eating that taco before my application is over for my teaching. And, and uh, in our digital age, we are so grateful for all the uh, technological advances that makes our, like, makes our lives a lot more easier and comfortable and convenient. And many of you, some of you work at DoorDash. If you do, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, and uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, whatever that may be. And, and, and it's not necessarily bad to, you, you guys are all working to make our world a better place. Um, but if we are not careful... Uh, we bring our DoorDash mentality into our relationship with Jesus. And we believe that as we follow Jesus, that things should get a lot more easier and comfortable, and we become more consumeristic. What's in it for me? What can I order? What can I press a button to make things happen? Instead of contributing and sacrificing like the way of Jesus. And by the way, with DoorDash and Amazon Prime, it's fine but not with our relationship with Jesus. So today, our passage reminds us of the essence of our discipleship to Jesus, that it's not about convenience or comfort, but it's about death to self. Welcome to Sunday morning. Super grateful for Jay to give me a passage, such an encouraging passage about dying to ourselves. And, uh, and if we haven't met, my name is David. I'm part of the team. And um, let's pray together and ask Jesus to guide us and help us. Um, Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And um, yeah, we're so grateful for all the ways in which, God, you are um, making this world a better place. And you're using our gifts that you have given us. And we are so grateful. Um, but we also want to take time and pause to see whether that has crept into our life with you. Uh, where now in our discipleship, in our formational journey of Christ-likeness, we too want to get a little bit more comfortable. And in that very place, Jesus, we, we know that you want to speak to us. And so God, left to our own demise, we are self-centered, selfish. Uh, we want to preserve our own things, and so Jesus, help us to see your way and how that is truly life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you turn with me to Matthew 16? We've been in the book of Matthew for a while, and um, we are at verses 21 to 28. Matthew 16, 21 through 28. 
from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and uh, that he must be killed, not only suffer, but to be killed, and on the third day, to be raised to life. Um, Peter, in verse 22, says, Peter took him aside, and we always love this about Peter, and began to rebuke, uh, correct Jesus. I, I wonder how their awkward conversations are like in heaven. Jesus, <laughs> uh, Peter, why are you always rebuking the king of kings and the Lord of lords? All right? and, uh, and, and Peter looks at Jesus and says, oh, that's, that's a terrible idea. Never, Lord. Uh, this shall never happen to you. And, and uh, for Peter, he had a different understanding of what Jesus would do. Um, he, again, uh, just a few verses before, Peter would confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And for him, he believed that this new king, uh, like King David of the old, would come and to bring freedom and healing to the nation of Israel and to all the people who follow Jesus, and, and that he would, with power, with force, overthrow the Roman rule. And so to think of Jesus saying, no, to Jesus, you're going to suffer and just get beat up and die? Like, that's not the image that I have. I have a different image of what a Messiah, the Son of God, would do. You're going to come with power. You're going to destroy them all. And so the suffering and death, that's not, that's not what I had in mind. And before we get upset and annoyed at Peter, uh, we too, if we're honest, uh, we get upset and frustrated when our image of God, our image of Jesus, when, we, when Jesus does not do what we think he should do, we get frustrated and annoyed at him as well. So this is almost a, a mirror uh, for all of us. In verse 23, um, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Wow. You are a stumbling block to me. You um, do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Uh, that's, those are choice words from Jesus. And, and this is really interesting that he says that because um, just a few verses before last week's teaching, if you were around, I mean, Peter would eventually go to say, like, Jesus, like, you are the son of God, you are the chosen one, and he would make this grand statement. And so, um, and Jesus says, man, like, what an amazing statement. Like, upon, like, this statement and upon your faith, I will, uh, you are the rock, and I will build my church, and gates of hell. Like, do you remember that from last week? And, like, Jesus is amazed by Peter, and now, like, few moments later, Jesus is like, you are Satan, right? So what is happening? So let's kind of compare this. Like, is, is Peter, like, Satan or rock, right? Like in just a few verses, what is happening here? And by the way, you know, Peter means uh, rock. Uh, and so, uh, but there's a funny wordplay that's happening here. Uh, Jesus says, you, uh, on this rock, I will build my church. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, Peter, the things that you have said, you are Satan then. And even though you are rock, now you have become a stumbling block. The very rock that's supposed to be a foundation, like that has now become a stumbling stone, that you are now preventing me from doing the things and the will of God in my life. And again, if we're honest, before we get frustrated, 
we are given, like Peter, uh, this great identity as sons and daughters of the Most High, that we're supposed to co-rule with God and that he loves us and, that, and we're part of his family. But at any moment, again, if we are honest, that we too can have our own agendas and we too can be self-focused and, and have our own things that we long to see and we too join forces with Satan and prevent the ways of the Lord happening in our lives and in the lives of others. So then Jesus says, and we're going to anchor most of our time here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Ooh, a um, couple things here um, for all the Bible nerds in this room. Whoever wants to be my disciple in Greek literally means uh, whoever wants to get behind me. Peter just said, uh, those are same Greek, Greek phrases of the verse before, where Jesus tells Peter, you are Satan and get behind me, right? And Jesus says, if you want to be a truly a person who wants to be my disciple, and by the way, this transition is correct, uh, to be behind someone is an idiom for discipleship, right? To follow the ways of a rabbi and a teacher, to follow the footsteps of your Lord, that is what discipleship is. So the translators are correct in, in, in interpreting and translating this as whoever wants to be my disciple, or if you have a different translation, it might say whoever wants to come after me, but the actual same phrase is whoever wants to be behind me, get behind me, which is the journey of discipleship, our formation, into Christ's likeness, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. First point, um, to deny yourself. Uh, out of all things that Jesus, you're talking about discipleship, you're talking about what it means to be more like you. I would assume the first thing you would say is like be more kind, be generous. I, I mean, here at Westgate, we would say all of discipleship is love. So I thought he would begin with Whoever wants to be my disciple, number one, love. Be a person of love, right? Love God, love one another, love our neighbor. Jesus would sum up the entire scriptures as love. And so I'm kind of quite taken back that he did not start with love, which is the primary thing to become a person of love in our journey of discipleship. But I thought about it, and the only way to become a person of love is through self-denial and self-sacrifice. You cannot become a person of love if you and I are self-centered, self-focused, preserving our own energies and time and resources. We cannot see what's ahead of us. We cannot see the needs around us. We cannot see God clearly because everything is about what we want to do. In a culture where self-gratification is our God, where it says it's all about you, it's all about your comfort, your joy, your, uh, your pleasures, like do do you do you and go after the things that give you the most amount of pleasure. Like you feed your own soul. Like in that very place, we know that Jesus is saying something totally different. He's saying, no, like deny yourself. Because that pursuit, you cannot become a person of love. Because you are all inward focused. It's all about you. So Jesus says to deny yourself. Uh, another point that I need to make is that uh, please do not misunderstand Jesus. For some of us, we have deep insecurity and, and hatred towards ourselves. So you're like, man, it, does this mean like self-hatred and self-rejection? 
No, uh, denying, self-denial is different from self-hatred and self-rejection. Jesus is saying, die to the right things, not die to the wrong things. Many of us, we get that confused. It doesn't mean that you should now die to your personalities and your gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you, the stories that God is writing in your life. He's not saying die to the call upon your life and, and just ignore that or, or all the ways in which God is, like, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is die, deny to the things uh, that makes you self-centered and self-focused where you cannot see Jesus, you cannot see others clearly. What would that be for us? And the second uh, invitation is to take up their crosses. And um, we got to just be next to the disciples here and hear from the original audience. Jesus is saying to the disciples, take up the literal cross, right? And so Yes, for us, in our context today, this means metaphorical and whatever the things that we need to carry and die to, uh, and I get that, but for the disciples, and actually, I know we're so grateful for the religious freedom that we have, and that it's not going to cost us our, like, literal lives, but, you know, when you hear from local and global compassion pastors and missionaries around the world, some parts of the world, as they follow Jesus, like literally physical death, like persecution, martyrdom, like in some parts of the world, that's still happening as they say yes to Jesus. So let us not forget that. And we're, but at the same time, we're grateful. This means for us, metaphorically, like what are places in our lives where we got to die to, we got to put to death. And, and for many of us, we are allergic to pain and suffering. We do not want to take up the cross, right? That's too painful. Again, we are living in a culture where comfort and convenience has, has formed us and shaped us. And so it's become like we, instead of working through a difficulty in marriage, it's easier to just watch porn and just not work through that issue, right? It's easier to, to um, have a conflict at work or with your friends, and instead of saying, I'm sorry, and putting to death and taking up that cross as painful emotionally and psychologically that may be, to take up that cross and say, you know what? I own that. I'm sorry. That's hard. So you know what we do? We become defensive, and we avoid. We, are, we become conflict avoidant. For some of us in our workplaces, there is a decision to be made. Whether you are a CEO or whatever that may be, you're making a decision for your team where you're a manager, your department leader, whatever that may be, and you got to make that decision and, and you don't want to cut corners. And, and, but if you make that call, uh, many people will get upset because of that call and that choice that you made. But Again, because you don't want to deal with all the things. Hey, maybe this time we should cut corners. Maybe this time we should not say the truth. Whatever that may be, I don't know. But you and I have places in our lives where uh, at the end of the day, we rather preserve ourselves and not die to the things that Christ is inviting us so that we can become a people of love. That also gets played into our church world as well. You know that the 10 to 15% of the folks in our church family serve and do most of the work. And again, by the way, as I say all this, this is not to shame or condemn any of you, right? We are all self-focused, and so this is an invitation for all of us. But, man, like, as we come to church, like, we have enough. David, like, we live in Silicon Valley. We, we don't have time. 
and, and it's expensive to live here, and we can make, and maybe sometimes it is a right excuse to be made. But if we're not careful, oftentimes, hey, like, I don't want to serve. I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to give because, uh, like, I I care about financial security. And whatever that may be, there are many places, hey, I don't want to join that uh, life group as we we get ready to launch life groups. Like, I don't want to have, like, that person in my life group, Lord have mercy on me, right? Like, I can't handle that person. And so, like, ah, like, no. Like, so I'm just going to avoid it. It's or it's on a Wednesday night, and Wednesday night is too important for me to give up. Whatever the case might be, all of us, we rather, if we are left to our own demise, to become inward focused and we protect. And in that place, Jesus is inviting us to take up our cross. One more thing to kind of consider here. Uh, notice that Jesus is inviting all of us to take our cross means that we all have different crosses to carry. So just because something is easier for you doesn't mean it's easy for somebody else. So let's not pass on judgment. Maybe for you, serving comes naturally. So you look down on folks who, uh, who uh, have difficult time serving. But for you, maybe giving is harder, right? We all have places where it's hard for us to die, and Jesus is inviting us to join him in that journey. So here's an image of um, of what we're most comfortable with. Jesus dying for our sins and paying the penalty and Jesus doing all the work. And we're so comfortable with that. And by the way, um, I'm not saying that's bad before I get fired, right? Like this is the centerpiece of Christian faith. So like, please do not hear what I'm, like this is everything. We cannot take up, we cannot pay for the sins of the world and we cannot bring healing, freedom, life and resurrection. Like that's all Jesus But um, we are so used to Jesus doing all the work that we rather worship Jesus who says, yeah, like that you died for us. And so 1 Peter says this, like we're comfortable with that. And 1 Peter like 2.24, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we have been healed. Like, yeah, that's all him. And we are so grateful because that is a cross that we cannot carry. But then, as we get used to that, our friend John Mark Homer would say, we, are, we get used to the very fact that Jesus dying for our sins, but for, a, for many of us, we're not comfortable with us dying with him. Which is the invitation of this passage. So, um, recently I was Googling, uh, um, well, I, was, I, lo- I looked at a painting uh, in Jerusalem um, and it caught my eye again. Um, I, and and I think this is a uh, such a beautiful picture and an invitation um, of what it means to follow Jesus. Take a moment here, Woo, right? And I, I'm like, wow, Jesus, yes, thank you for carrying the cross that we cannot carry. But Jesus, you are all calling us to come and die, to die to our self-centeredness to our own egos, to our own images, to the things that that make us more X, Y, Z, and to join you in this journey. And if you are like new to Jesus or you just said yes to Jesus, you're like, David, what what did I just sign up for? (laughs) And you're like, is this the right? And, and, And I think Jesus understands the human heart. So Jesus says this, 
in the next uh, few verses. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Uh, it's an upside-down thing. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If you live your life and grab everything for yourself and you gain the whole world, you gain the title, position, money, fame, whatever that may be, what good is it if you gain all of that but you lose what's most important in your life? So Jesus is saying, but this is actually the life that you most want anyways. You and I have chased and are still chasing at times, left to ourselves, things that we would like for our own things. And in that very place, we know that it leaves us more frustrated, more empty, and it does not give us the fullness of joy, peace, meaning, and purpose. And we know this. But we still fall to the invitation of Satan over and over again. And the verses continue to say, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Like, guys, like, as you do this, as you say no to the world, no to the things that, that like, no to chasing after your own pleasure. If you say no to that, like, Jesus says, like, hey, that life will not be in vain. Like, I will reward you. Like, like I see you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Sometimes, you know, like, like, Jesus, are you, like, like, is there, like, are you, like, I'm making this big commitment, like, are you seeing me? And many of the folks, like, when they read this passage, oh, my God, is Jesus just watching me? This is kind of scary, right? And we, we tend to take this verse negatively, but it's actually such a beautiful thing that God is watching. Like, I remember, like, when Skylar's, like, my daughter Skylar's doing something, he said, Daddy, look at me, look at me, right? And, and it's like, like, I see you, and, like, I see what you, you have made, and, and I see that you've, you've taken the, and you've said the right thing, or made the right decision, like, hey, like, I will, like, your life is not meaningless. Every decision matters, and I will reward you accordingly. What a beautiful thing, beautiful invitation. And truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, um, how does this look in our lives? So, a few years ago, uh, I took two of my pastor friends, and they're young, uh, in their 30s, and uh, we flew to New York. My folks are in New York. And by the way, I say this because in Asian culture, it really matters. My dad's a lead pastor. And again, I only say that because hierarchy in cultural context matters. And my dad's, you know, like 20, 30 years older than all of us. Again, age matters in the way we talk to the elders and how we, um, and the kind of conversations you could be had, what is considered respectful, what is considered disrespectful. Anyways, so we, we flew to New York and we, um, uh, I introduced them to my parents and we're having a good time at our home. And uh, of course, we're eating some good Korean barbecue. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, Korean barbecue heals many things, and, and we're enjoying our time, and we're laughing, and then, you know, they're, they're young uh, pastors, so they're asking my dad about, he's, you know, done 40 plus, 45 years of ministry, so they're asking my dad about ministry, life, work, uh, and family balance. They're going through all sorts of things, and my dad is just being honest and sharing with them, and then, and then my dad's a very busy person, and so in light of that, like, my friend begins to, uh, like, probe deeper and says to my dad, hey, like, uh, do you feel like sometimes in your busyness of serving God that you've neglected your wife? 
I'm like, I am regretting bringing my friends <laughs> to this conversation. Now that's awkward, right? And it's especially awkward in an Asian family, right? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is not good, right? And so I'm like giving my friends the eye. I'm like, no, 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 right? And then, and then my dad's like, yeah, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, and by the way, their marriages are great and healthy, but my dad's like, yeah, I mean, there are times where, where in, yeah, in, in, in uh, serving the church, yeah, there are times where, um, yeah, that doesn't happen, and, and, um, and I regret that. And, and, and my friends, uh, they turn to my mom now and says, hey, like, um, can we also ask you a question? And I'm like, no, there is no more question. Uh, we're actually leaving, right? And it says, how do you feel about that? I'm like, ah, right? My friends Jeff and Andy, I'm like, ah, and, and, and my mom says, yeah, like, I, I mean, I love what I do, and your dad's great, and, and but at, 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 at the same time, as a pastor's wife, there are moments where, like, I've sacrificed my own longings and the calls that I receive from the Lord for the sake of the family, and my mom starts to cry. And, and then, and I'm like, oh, man, this is like, ooh, God is doing something. And then my friends, they turn to my dad, and I'm like, no! <laughs> and say, man, God is in this place, and, and, uh, and we really feel like you should repent and apologize to your wife. <laughs> Jesus, Lord! <laughs> right? Like, again, my dad's the lead pastor, Heike, like, all of that, like, they're, like, 30 years younger. Like, I mean, this just doesn't happen. And, and then I look at my dad, and I'm like, what is happening? My dad said, you're right. And he kneels before my mom and begins to weep and, and asks my mom for forgiveness. And mom starts to wail, and I think there's a lot of healing and restoration going on. And God begins to like bring our family. I'm like, God is, God is in this moment and God is in this place. And this is going on for now 45 minutes. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta remember this moment. I got to Instagram this. So I take out, uh, take out my phone and I'm like, I got to take this phone. Right? By the way, I didn't put it on Instagram. But, but I got to mark this moment, right? And I took the photo right in our living room. Um, and guys... They are heroes of my faith because my dad could have said, you young pastors, like you don't have any experience. Who are you to say anything to me? Or how long have you guys been married? My dad could have been defensive. My dad could have been like, man, like what would this look? I'm a lead pastor in New York City. Like if I start apologizing, how, what would they think about our marriage? Like though they have great marriage, like what would, like he could have went on and on and on, right? But my dad, he took the invitation to die to himself and take up the cross and says, hey, Jesus, you are inviting to die more and, and to say, yes, Lord, wherever you're inviting me, I will say, yes, Lord. I will say yes because your ways are better. What good is it if I become the largest church, if I gain the world, if I become the highest position? What good is it if you and I uh, work up our corporate letter? What good is it if we have all the money? What good is it if we gain the whole world but lose what's the most important in our own souls? What good is it if we have everything and we preserve our energy, time, and resources, but we lose all that is dear to our own family? And so there's an invitation because Jesus is saying, as you die to yourself, in that you will find life. 
This was the most, most meaningful and joyous. I mean, I cried 45 minutes, but afterwards, moment for our family. And by the way, I got, my permi- I got the permission to share this. I sent it to dad and mom earlier this week. Hey, as I thought about um, following Jesus and dying uh, on, uh, with our own pride and, and taking up our cross, the first image was that photo, and I sent it to them. And I said, thank you, Dad and Mom, for modeling what it means to follow Jesus. And friends, like I too, like struggle, like even earlier this week on Monday, as I'm preparing for the message, somehow that evening we're having dinner with my, uh, my family, with my mom, uh, with, not my mom, my wife. <laughs> I'm looking at the photo, like, uh, hi, Mom. <laughs> and, and. And somehow in the conversation, I began to tell, like, Nina, like, all the ways in which I've sacrificed for her and how great of a husband I am. And by the way, that's, that doesn't really go well in marriages. <laughs> and, and, the, and, and I started to make a PowerPoint. No, I did not make a PowerPoint presentation. And somehow I just wanted to be more affirmed and take credit for uh, the things that I should not even take credit for. And this is what happens. Left to ourselves, we become inwardly. And and we want credit, and we want recognition, and we want to pursue our own things. We want safety. And so Jesus is asking all of us this morning the very question, what are you not willing to die? Where are you protecting in your own journey? Where, as I said that, when I talked about giving, when I talked about being in community, when I talked about serving, when I talked about uh, uh, apologizing to someone this week, or, or working through your marriage, or bad habits and addictions in your life, and, and seeing our care pastor ministry, and working through that instead of numbing ourselves in pain, and watching YouTube and Netflix, and just distracting ourselves so that we don't have to face it, so we don't have to face our marriages, we don't have to face our friends, we don't have to face our community, we don't have to face our coworkers. And, and where is a place in our lives this week that Jesus is inviting all of us to consider him and to in that place to find real life and joy and healing? Where would that be? And friends, can we all take one more step? And this is not possible, of course, um, and this is not like, hey, let's die uh, uh, to ourselves and let's be less selfish. Like, that's not, it's not from our own strength. We know. And this is why I love that we're doing communion because we are reminded that Christ was our prime example. That Jesus did this. You know, Jesus could have stayed in heaven and said, hey, I'm comfortable here. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to give up my glory. I'm not going to go through pain, suffering, and death, and humiliation. Like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not going to do that, right? But because Jesus modeled He's going to give us the power to do so. Amen? And that's the invitation. So uh, Philippians 2 says this, 3 through 11, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than uh, yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, because that's what we do often, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to the point of death, even death and a cross. So Jesus is not saying, hey, take up the cross if he's not doing that. That's the example. He died on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I want to invite you. We're going to spend some moment taking communion together. And if you uh, uh, came in uh, a little bit after, uh, we have ushers. Um, and if you want to come up front, if you um, did not take one, please uh, take out the uh, bread and um, the wine or grape juice. <laughs> And, um, and it's an invitation for all of us to say, Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that, um, that you've made um, for us. Um, the body broken for us and the blood shed. You weren't selfish. Jesus, you weren't self-centered. You did not say, hey, like I'm gonna preserve my own self. Jesus, we're so grateful that you've done this so that you would also empower us to live that life that is about you and it's about others in the world. So before you take his body and the juice as a reminder, would you just pause and say, where's a place that Jesus is inviting you to die to? Where is a place in your life, in my life, where we need to surrender? Where's a place that, that you get a little bit more triggered, you become a little bit more protective? Like, oh, that's my time, that's my money, that's my resources. I cannot forgive, I, that's gonna be awkward. Where's a place where you get a little bit more um, hesitant? Maybe that's the place that Jesus is inviting us. And I love what the verse says, that as you do this, that you proclaim his death forever. So when you are ready, would you take the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of our Lord and Savior? Jesus. Apart from you, we can't. We can't. Thank you for forgiving us in many choices that we've made where we chose to preserve ourselves. And so thank you for that forgiveness. And also giving us the power to live in such a way where we honor you. Um, I have a, uh, there's a hymn that I uh, sang growing up, um, actually from my dad's church where I grew up. 
Uh, I'm not going to sing it for you. I got kicked off the worship team. I'm not a good singer. So it would trigger all my past wounds. And so I would not do that to you. But I will read the first verse of the hymn. And I think it anchors us to the invitation of Jesus. The verse goes like this. Are you able, said the master, to be crucified with me? Yes, the sturdy dreamers answered. To the death we follow you. Lord, make us able. Lord, make us able, we pray. Lord, help us to not seek the interest of ourselves. But Lord, whatever that invitation may be, may we die to ourselves and may we honor you, but in that very place, may we experience joy, life, peace, and meaning and purpose. So Westgate Church, family, let's finish the race well. Let's live for Jesus. Let's not live for our comfort and convenience, though as tempting that may be. Let's live for Jesus. Let's pray together. So Jesus, we need you. We need you. We cannot do this apart from you. We're so sorry. I'm so sorry for the ways in which that I'm pursuing my own agenda. Lord, have mercy. Help us in many choices, many decisions that we will be making today and throughout this week. Help us to hear the voice of Christ saying, follow me. May that be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.